0: For Syracuse, party time! The upset pulled by the orange. They defeat Clemson 27 to 24. Battle.
2: The
1: penetration, step back,
0: oh. a pressure bucket for Tyus Battle.
1: This is Orange Nation with Stephen Fonti and Seth Goldberg, powered by Drivers Village and Hummel's Office Plus. Good afternoon, everyone. Glad to have you with us alongside Seth Goldberg. I'm Stephen Fonte. It's a Tuesday edition of Orange Nation. We're coming to you live from Shaughnessy's down at the Hotel Syracuse downtown as we get you set for the SU football season. Joined today by none other than Julian Wiggum for the entire two hours, Julian. Yeah, what's going on? Happy to be here. Great to have you. Great to have you. I want to start plenty to get to with you, Julian. I want to start with something that that Seth brought up. I set
0: Steve off right before (laughs) the show. You (laughs) didn't didn't set me off,
1: um, but I want to start with something he brought up right before the show. I've made the comparison between this game and the Middle Tennessee State game Mm. from last year for the last several weeks. I talked to Dino Babers last week. He mentioned it as well. He said, you know, there are some similarities obviously between, you know, going up against Tim Lester and going up against Scott Schaefer. And then, unprompted, Seth, you said something before the start of the show. You said, I think this game is different. It's not the same as when Syracuse went up against Scott Schaefer. So explain yourself.
0: I think it's a little bit different. Uh, Maybe this is just a perception. Maybe this is uh, swayed by the fact that Tim Dast and Tim Lester came on our radio station in the lead-up to this game, and Scott Schaefer said no. I think Scott Schaefer held a bigger grudge. I think Scott Schaefer took it really personally that he was fired and and held a bigger grudge than these guys do. Um, And and I think that makes a difference. I I think that you know there was legitimate motivation to come into Syracuse and beat that team last year by the defensive coordinator of Middle Tennessee State. And not saying that these guys don't want to win, not saying that these guys don't want to show up and and play against Syracuse and say, hey, look, everything's going great in our new job. Like, we're doing great after you. Like, maybe you're not doing so great after us, whatever it may be. But I, I think there's a little bit of a different dynamic there than there was last year.
1: I don't think there's any question that Scott Schaefer held a grudge going into that game last year.
0: I mean, he, he walked out with a, cig, a cigar in his mouth. I,
1: I, don't, I don't question that at all. What I, what I would say to you is, I think anytime you go up against a former employer, right, a former team, you know, a former maybe friend growing up, they, I mean, there is a rivalry well, right there. I was going to compare There's, it
0: to, it's, is this like you're on a date and you see an ex-girlfriend on a date across the room kind of a thing? Like, you just want to be like, hey, look, everything's cool on my end.
2: Can I tell you that that's definitely Scott Schaefer's M.O., though? You know, if, especially that date that date idea that you had. He's the type of guy, if he knows his ex-girlfriend is coming with her new boyfriend or right. whatever, he's going to bring the sexiest chick he know. He'll pay for her. <laughs> whatever he's got to do, he's going to bring the sexiest chick he can bring to make sure that he, you know, one-ups, you know, that, that, that ex. And I know for a fact that th- th- these two games – I'm playing both sides here. They're similar in that they're playing two coaches, but they're different. They're going to be different in how the game is played on the field. The difference with Coach Schaefer, he had a defense in his scheme. I know he's in bringing back that, that girlfriend idea. He sat up all night making sure that game plan was rock solid. Right. And the other thing was that game plan was the perfect scheme to beat a Syracuse offense. That defense was swarming. Our offensive line was poor. Um, He made sure to go after him with the blitz, and then he put coverages behind it that would make Dungey struggle. Going to Western Michigan now, Leicester's going to try to power you. They're going to run the ball a lot. And and this is more so, okay, how do we counter that offense, and, and do we fit better? So on the field, I think Syracuse is a better fit than they did last year. And I think that's why we may be able to see a victory come out of it versus when Schaefer came in was able to just go after the quarterback and then leave out with the cigar.
1: I guess the part that I took exception to, Seth, is that to suggest that this isn't personal for for Tim Lester and, and Coach Doust, I I think it is, right? I mean, I think anytime you go up against a former employer, and it could be it can be a civilized rivalry. Like, it doesn't have to be a hatred. But I think you want to go back and, and beat the school in this case, the team in this case that said right. you're not good enough. That, yeah, we're firing the head coach, but we want you guys out as well. And normally we give you a week to clean out your lockers. Read the Nate Mink article from today. You know, you, you've got a couple of days. Yeah. You know, and, and get up out of here. I think... It's just human nature that you want to, to go oh, and no, beat no. him. Now, is there a hatred? You know, maybe not. I, I agree with Julian. We didn't even talk about this before the show, but I, I do think there's a, a personality difference between these yes. guys. Like, that is Scott Schaefer. What we saw last year, that's Scott Schaefer. Tim Lester, he'll... he'll you know, say what's on his mind. He wears his heart on his sleeve. Like, he's he's more of a thinker, I guess, than Scott Schaefer, at least publicly, right? right. He shares with you what he's thinking, where Scott Schaefer won't do that. Is that yeah. is that accurate? I no, mean, yeah, I, yeah, Julian, right I know you, know you know these men very well. Spot but, on. But, yes. I mean, it, there is a personality difference. But I got to think that deep down, the uh, – the will to win, the desire to win this game, to beat Syracuse, I have to believe is probably the same as it was a year ago.
2: No, absolutely. Schaefer was just much more explosive about it. That's the only difference here. you know. Uh, coaches, all, all of them at Western Michigan, they're much more – except Dallas. He's more of a Schaefer type. But, you know, Lester and all those guys are going to be much more reserved. They're not going to come out and say anything crazy to the, to the media. they uh, not going to tell their linebackers to go out and kill quarterbacks or anything like that. Schaefer, he was so passionate that he just let – all of that anger and everything that happened to him, I, I think it kind of, it did play out on the field a little bit. You, and you know that he told his guys during the week that he really wanted this game. And I think that kind of fed into how hard they played. I don't know if we're going to see that from Western Michigan. They'll, they'll want to win, but it'll be difficult for them because they don't they didn't have the same passion from Shake.
0: Yeah, and I, I, that might be my point, is that, like, yeah, the will to win is there, right? Like, Tim Lester, I, I have no doubt, wants to beat this team. And, and first off, there's a difference with this game being at Western Michigan, whereas Middle Tennessee State came in, and, and Tim Lester, in all likelihood, I mean, I would imagine he's there next year. He'll get that chance next year, right? And so uh, that might be a little more interesting. But I think what you hit on of, like, Scott Schaefer and the way he, his personality and and just being that kind of, person, uh, it it shows more. So, like, Tim Lester might want to win this game just as badly, and I'm sure he does, but he might not, like, drill that into everybody. Like, no. hey, we gotta beat this team because this, this. Th-. Like, it, it's like, hey, it's game one. We gotta get off to a good start to this season. Like, let's build off of our 6-6 six and six last year. We got our guys healthy. Whereas... When it was Schaefer, I, I had a feeling, and, and we talked about it in the whole week leading up to the game, of like, hey, this is Scott Schaefer going against Syracuse. This is Scott Schaefer going against Eric Dungy. Yes, He knows what's going on. He knows this guy. Like, He can shut him down. And, and I, I don't get that feeling. Even though we know Tim Lester knows Eric Dungy. We know Tim Douse knows Eric Dungy. We know that you know they're the guys who brought him here. It, it feels like it's got a different feel around it.
2: This game is missing bad blood. Yes. You know, Lester wasn't fired with, you know, a week to get out of the office or so. I remember back when Coach was let go and we knew he was going to be fired. Him and Bulla, those two were the ones that were just the most – like you could see in their face. You didn't want to talk to them because yep. they, they were going to come after you with – Everything that you did wrong in the season, why you got, you got them fired and everything. Like, so I knew that there was bad blood. He hated the university. He hated the new staff. They weren't as good as him and his staff. Um, that bad blood isn't here this week. It's just a team that is trying to get through week one.
1: Let me ask you this. You know, we, we go back to last year's game and we say, well, Scott Schaefer was the defensive coordinator. He designed this defensive scheme. He knew how to shut down Dungy in that offense. You know, we keep talking about Tim Lester, Tim Lester, Tim Lester. Is the more important figure in this game Tim Doust? Because he's the one putting together the defensive scheme to slow yes. down Eric Dungy in that offense.
2: Yes, that's that's the biggest. I'm glad you brought that up. That's going to be the biggest key for this offense. You know, in, in 2018, entering the game of Western Michigan, um, did they learn anything from Schaefer? Because Doust is a Schaefer disciple. runs the exact same defense, and I guarantee that Western Michigan has been studying that Middle Tennessee State film all week long, and probably for the last week or so, uh, they're going to keep make sure they can bring pressure. They don't know if, if Eric Dungy will be able to handle that pressure or that offensive line. We don't know if they've improved it all. You know, having Coach Cavanaugh now, you would hope there's some, you know, and having Aaron Roberts back and, you know, having a full line with experience, maybe they'll develop. But this could be a trap game for Syracuse just because of that doused element. They run the exact same defense as Schaefer. Can they pick up the blitz? Can Eric Dungy handle, handle the pressure? And then having receivers that can respond to corners that are going to be in their face all game long. You know, we don't know what the receivers can do. We don't have an All-American coming back. Uh, it's it's, it's going to be a challenge. You know, I'm worried that the game's on the road. You know, them being on the road is difficult because Syracuse in the past two seasons with Babers at the helm, they have not won on the road.
1: I also think there's this perception out there among SU fans that the loss to Middle Tennessee State to some degree was a fluke. Um, Oh, no. And that's not the way that I saw it when I watched it. And then when you watch it back, Middle Tennessee State outplayed Syracuse and deserved to win that game. And I think to me that might even be the more concerning thing. You said, you know, will they learn from what happened a year ago? I think it's more than just, you know, learn from, from the, the mental approach to the game. I think there's some X's and O's that they need to get straight yes. as well going into yes. this game because Middle
2: Tennessee State won that game. That was not a fluke. And that's exactly what I mean. You know, Middle Tennessee State beat Syracuse in the same way that Syracuse beat Louisville all those years back or West Virginia on that Friday night all those years back with Schaefer. That was a calculated decision by Schaefer. To to put together a game plan, and yes, it was X's and O's. How does this scheme fit to beat? And that's why I said that, that Schaefer's defense was fit to beat Syracuse's offense. You know, they, those were spread offenses that Louisville and West Virginia was running, and it just was a perfect fit to put in that little Okie package, that three-three-five, 3 and just go after the quarterback, switch up coverages and make a college quarterback figure out where can I go with the ball with, you know, a defensive end in my face. I and mean, that's what makes it so difficult for those kind of offenses to win in those kind of games. That's why I say with Douse now running the exact same offense, has Syracuse learned anything? Because it's going to be the exact same thing coming up on Friday.
0: So you mentioned the possibility of Western Michigan watching the Middle Tennessee State tape yes. and saying, hey, this guy who I learned from did this. You think Syracuse is watching that tape back saying, hey, that guy who he learned from and might be running the same defense who, oh, by the way, worked here and knows you and knows Eric Dungy? Is it possible that they look back at that tape, saw, oh, they're running the Okie package, they're running three three five, they're, you know, they're doing certain things, and maybe they're better prepared to go face that this time around?
2: You want to say yes, but they have a new offensive line coach now. So now it's like, is Kavanaugh preaching his own principles on how he thinks he could beat it, or is he preaching, hey, we lost this way last season, this is where you guys went wrong? This is how we can fix it. You know, he's supposed to be a very experienced coach, has had time in the Big Ten and everything. So what he does, that'll tell me what kind of coach Coach Kavanaugh is. Because does he learn from past mix experiences and then apply his own principles and mix the two to be able to put together, you know, an actually winning formula?
0: And I want to I ask you specifically, because, uh, I mean, this isn't something that I know because I've never been in the room. Mm-hmm. How much does the game planning change week to week? Because... I look at this and I say, Do you want to do something drastically different for just one week? And maybe it's I have a different perspective because it's week one. But is this something where, hey, we you know we're we're used to just totally changing a, a philosophy for for a defense week to week, and you know it's whatever you would do week seven is the same thing you would do week one. It's just hey, we're we're coming up out of the summer, and maybe we had a couple extra days to do it.
2: You know. I actually, I've talked to a few former players under Babers, and they've all come back and told me, you know, his philosophy is play better. So basically do what we do, and yes. we'll beat those guys. Yes, because and if you look back, I, I can understand Coach Webber saying he's been successful everywhere else. And, right. you know, the formula, apparently, it works. You know, whether he's had an Eastern Illinois or a Bowling Green, and though know, those are two different levels, now going from Bowling Green to Syracuse, another level, right. the principal has worked and created a winning team. So I can understand why he would say, hey, y'all are the ones that need to play better. <laughs> the scheme works. Um, so, for Babers to come in and say that, and now to have, you know, having played a, a, a middle Tennessee state team and, and losing the way they did, and then coming back this season, week one, it may be, hey, we lost this way because you didn't do it this way. You know, it's a matter of coaching, coaching it up, making sure those guys are ready to go. It could be, hey, play better. And if these guys don't, they could lose in the same fashion, which would be very disappointing, you know, both on our end, having watched it, and then on the team, because that, that defeats your whole season, I feel like. Yeah. Take a step backwards now you may be, you know, on a track tonight and go to a bowl game. Three one
1: five 437 Let's go to the phone lines. Dom and Syracuse kicking us off on the show today. Hey, Dom.
0: Hey, guys. I tend to agree that this game is different, but not for the reasons you're saying. Last year's game, when Schaefer came back, um, there was a bit of a, a, of a reminiscing factor to it. You know, the players, these are players that wham in his pool that went to his house. Oh, uh, coaches coming back. There was a feel-good thing and i think the players maybe didn't take it as they weren't as intense for for the game as they should have been um and what happened they got trucked by a directional school (laughs) i think going into this game they're not going to get trucked by a directional school again you know what i mean if they they're they're not going it's not going to be because of lack of intensity from the players that they lose this game i think everyone understands first game of the year you got owned by a former coach last year it left a bad taste when he walked out of that dome smoking a cigar in everyone's mouth. I don't think
2: that's happening this year. All right, I appreciate think? you checking in, Dom. Yeah, I appreciate you checking in. Uh, Julian, your thoughts on that? Uh, first of all, I love that he used direction of school because I got that from Shave. And I said it all the time, you know, <laughs> last time. I love that. one. Okay. And I, I think he's actually spot on with that, too. You know, guys were very comfortable going out talking to Shafe before the game. You know, slapping five and all that. And he's smiling like, hey. And I, That's that's the funny part to me. I was watching it from the from the box, and I'm like, you're shaking this man's hand. He's ready to kill you. He can't wait to see you guys lose this game, and you're going up, you know, all friendly, and he he wants to undercut you. I and trust because I know this man. I knew him for four years. You know, he recruited me. He, He brought me in. He would tell me for every game what he wanted to do. I knew this man. You know, like the back of my hand, and he was ready shaking their hands, telling them, hey. You're happy to see you, man. It's good. Everything's all right. But, but I'm gonna lay you down today. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and, and and that's exactly. I think these guys they were worked up and they were excited for the game, but not for the same reasons that Shafe was. They were excited because oh, we're playing our former coach, and maybe they, it did soften up a little bit. As in, okay, we got it's, it's fun to see him and everything. Right. But they didn't have that edge to them like Shafe did. I think that they will. You know, just like Carla said, we we are going to. Uh, we do have this edge now that's week one. Is that We lost to a directional school. We hated how we felt after that first game, and now we need to find a way to come out and win this game and have an edge ourselves because losing to a directional school, when it doesn't matter if you're Syracuse or anyone else. You, you're a Power 5 team, and losing to a Western, an Eastern, and a Northern, that's one of the most embarrassing things you can do outside losing to an, uh, an FCS team.
1: And that's all well and good that they're focused, and maybe they have the mental edge this time around. There are two things about this game on Friday that, that concern me. Number one, It's a road game, and you've got a lot of guys playing new roles this year, right? I mean, everybody's a year older and a year better, and I I get all that. But, you know, the redshirt freshmen and the sophomores, you know, they're they're taking on more of a a leadership role and a a bigger role this year than they've had in the past. So I think starting on the, the road number one is concerning. Number two, can we say Western Michigan's better than Middle Tennessee State? Um... I I would. Two years ago, they were in the Cotton Bowl, and I know that you know that was right. They they had the stars aligned that year. Last year, they were six and six, but let's remember they lost their quarterback with four games to go to a broken collarbone. They had USC tied in the fourth quarter at Mm. USC with Sam Darnold as the starting quarterback. They had Michigan State. I want to say on the ropes. I mean, Michigan State won by two touchdowns, but that was a closer game than everybody expected. And and if. Their quarterback doesn't get hurt. Maybe they go eight and four, and then we're looking at this saying, you know, wow, this is you know this program. You know, got, you got to be concerned. This is about. a game you really don't the want fact, to play. First, right. <laughs> first the week. The fact that they're six and six, I think you know they're better than their record would indicate. I think Syracuse is better than four and eight would indicate from a year ago. But I think
2: Western Michigan might be better than Middle Tennessee State from last year. I think Western Michigan is a better team. But I think Middleton State as an offense had a better, just all around. Middleton State beat Syracuse. And I say that one just offensively, defensively. They had a quarterback and receiver that they exploited every mismatch possible against Syracuse's Tampa 2 defense. There was a lot of zone coverage gaps. And they just made sure to slide that little number three in there, whether it be in the middle of the field or on the sideline. And they just kept making plays, especially in that second half when Syracuse's defense really needed to rise up. They routinely found a way to make a play. I don't see Western Michigan's offense doing that because they're such a power run. Team. They want to run the ball down your throat, and this that tells me now. Okay, and that's another thing. Excuse me, that's another thing too. Syracuse's defense—they're two linebackers that they got, three linebackers that they have in there now. You know, Witt and all those guys—they have to prove they can tackle. That inexperience on the road scares me because one, they've proven they don't win on the road very often. But now having those three new linebackers and Wet returning as a starter, can they prove themselves? As as a core, because Western Michigan's defense, or offense, they want to run the ball. They're going to go out to play action. They're going to try to find a way to exploit you. So this is, a, I think, this is a great opportunity for Syracuse defense. One to just prove that they can stop the run. Last year was can they prove they stopped the pack? They couldn't do right. it. This year it's can you stop the run? And if they can, great, you're off to a great start. If they can't, they're going to really struggle because going down the line, a lot of these ACTC teams, Clemson, Florida State, they love to run the ball on you. If you can do it, stop it great. If not, Syracuse is going to have a very long season.
1: Ten redshirt freshmen or true freshmen on SU's depth chart. Just keep that in mind yes. as Syracuse hits the road for the opener. We do need to take our first time out. Full lines are open the entire way today at 315-437-7644. Seth Goldberg, Julian Wiggum, Stephen Fonti, with you up until 2 o'clock coming to you live from Shaughnessy's Pub and Grill at the Hotel Syracuse downtown. We are back after this on ESPN Radio.
0: This is Orange Nation with Stephen Fonti and Seth Goldberg.
1: We're not live in Armory Square today. We're live at Shaughnessy's Irish Pub at the Hotel Syracuse downtown. The annual painting of the orange stripe right outside here on South Warren Street as we get ready for the SU football season. Kickoff set for 6 o'clock Friday night in Kalamazoo, Michigan. Stephen Fonte, Seth Goldberg, Julian Wiggum with you up until 2 o'clock. And again, phone lines open the entire way today at 315 Four three seven seventy six forty four. We're going to get some thoughts from Tim Lester here coming up in a minute. He met with the media uh, yesterday. He Also was uh, on the block with Brent Axe. We'll hear from Coach Lester in a moment. I-, I do want to get your thoughts on something, Julian. the Dino Babers said yesterday in mm-hmm. regards to the the freshness of his team going into the opener. <laughs> he said, "There's no way they're going to be a hundred percent." Yeah. He said, "We're aiming for ninety percent." Yes. So explain that. I would assume that that coaches have a different approach with the preseason and with getting guys ready to go? Because I would think, well, you want your guys rested and 100% going into the first game. He said the goal is 90%. Can you shed some light on that?
2: Yeah, so... Camp has always been a time to get you guys in shape, get them ready to learn, um, and you're you're smashing bodies together. You know you're, you have way more live periods during camp than you do the regular season. Obviously, because it's regular season, you want guys to get through the week, right? Uh, but in camp, you're trying to figure out what can this guy tackle? Can he hit? Um, can he make plays? You know, in a live situation at receiver? Can the quarterback react to the blitz properly? And you're Constantly clashing bodies day in and day out. It used to be two days at at one point. You know, and you never, as a player, get out of that and come back 100%. If you even took a week off, there's no way you're coming back 100% because your body has been physically going at it for three straight weeks of football. Personally, I used to hate it. You know, I'm like, man, let me get a day off or so. And it, that's just not how football works. You're constantly going at it. You're, you're running. You know, guys, their hamstrings get tired. You know, you may have a cramp here or there. Um, for linemen, you're constantly engaging a defensive lineman or an offensive lineman. You're going at it physically. There is no way. It, it's not humanly possible to come back and be 100% unless you're Superman or someone like that or, or Sharmarco Thomas. You know, he was he was the only guy that I knew of who can get through camp as if nothing fazed him. You know, but it, for us regular people, you know, 90% was great. That, that's how you wanted to get to that first game. And, that, and 90%, that means uh, my ankle, you know, it, it may be tweaked or something like, or uh, my t- hamstrings are a little bit, you know, tight or so. That's something you can stretch up before the game. And then being at 90%, those butterflies and all the anxiety running out of smoke, you'll get to 105% by the time game time starts anyway, because you're amped up for that first run. So 90% is cool. I understand what Coach Baker was saying. Maybe people on the outside as a fan or us meeting people, uh, why, why 90% coach? Let me That's get why I asked you, because <laughs> I didn't know exactly what he Yeah, yeah, so that 90% is just getting those guys to as As healthy as they can possibly be after going at it physically for all those weeks possible, and now, and like I said, once you get to that, you know, 30 minutes before game time, uh, you know, five minutes before game time, your heart starts racing and all of that. Those game day juices start running. You don't feel any of camp. You're ready for that first game, and you're going out. For me, it was getting ready to hit somebody. So that you'll be 100% by the game just because of how excited you're. So 90% that's a great number, and it's nothing to worry about. I would say.
0: You know, so and this is kind of a tangent here, but. But if if college teams are aiming for ninety percent, what is the NFL team aiming to have their guys at after they've played kind of sort of four weeks of, of games? Healthy.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I don't, I don't know exactly. Like we've been watching Hard Knocks now for right. a couple weeks, and and uh, who, who, what's his name? The Browns head coach, um, Hugh Jackson. Hugh Jackson. He was talking about we want to get guys help. We want to have them, you know, available for that first game and the nfl they're all about you know making sure guys are you know ready to go do you have some i remember can i tell you a story i was um with the bills and i had a minor headache just just a headache Like i just woke up one day needed you know, an advil and you yeah needed advil would have been fine i go in I'm like oh hey wickham you good and i'm like ah nah my head hurts a little bit do you guys have, you know some advil something i could take um I was like, are, are you sure is it you? Might you sit out practice today? You like, <laughs> know, just give me Advil, coach. I'm, I'm good. <laughs> and, and they're like, "Are you sure? Can can you, can you? Are you a sensitive delight? light? Um, what's what's going on? Are you sure you don't need to sit out today?" And there's in the NFL, they are very very cautious about guys and in, in their injury. They if you don't need to practice, don't practice, and then it goes on you. Like, hey, well. Well, coach can't see you, you know, especially in camp or something like that when you can't make a team. So guys who aren't established, they'll push through some of those things a little bit more. But the NFL, they're very big on... Hey, we're trying to make sure that you're 100% ready to go. We don't want any issues with you because we put a lot of money, one, into sure. you. Right. You know, you're an investment right. for us. We want you as healthy as possible. We want to get you 100% if we can. But, you know, guys, they'll push through some things so that they can be seen, so that they can make a team. Um, and then in practice, they don't even hit, you know, during the regular season. So right. they're, they're, they're trying to make sure that they have guys who are, you know, who can go 100% on the games. So they don't want people who are, now, if you're feeling 90%, yeah, wait till you get to 100%, big dog, because we, we want you, we need you to be able to play. Did you practice that day? <laughs> i sure did i was trying of course you to. did yeah i had to man I had to but it was i'm not gonna lie there was i was on the sideline and it actually did bother me a little bit because i made some you know some contact a little bit and uh, i went to the train I'm like hey can i get a water he's like hey don't don't start stealing now though you know we'll give you some time but don't start stealing I'm
0: like,
2: what does that mean you know, And then Aaron Williams, the old safety with the Bills, that like, it means you're sitting out when you're healthy. And I'm like, oh, he's like, because you're getting paid today, ain't right. you? And I'm like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Don't start stealing, but yeah, I, I never stole. <laughs> All right, let's hear from uh, Tim Lester
1: now, as we talked about in that first segment. Uh, obviously, he's looking forward to going up against his former school. Here's Tim Lester on that. It's been a, it's been a blast, when I got this uh, opportunity. Uh, you know, ended up seeing Syracuse.
0: Uh, they already, had, I think, inked the deal or inked it like in my first week here. And uh, so,
1: obviously, you know, excited to, to go against those guys and and uh, know a lot about them and, and respect respect uh, all of them. Cause a lot of them, some of them we recruited. I, when I recruited Dungie, I never thought I'd have to face him, but uh, <laughs> not something. Not, I, I loved him a lot. It normally means you don't want to face the guys you recruit. That was. Tim Lester uh, on the block with Brent Axe yesterday. You do get the sense, and I I listened to Tim Lester's entire press conference yesterday. He he speaks glowingly of Eric Dungey. You get the sense that there is a a genuine... Student-teacher relationship, I guess, or, you know, obviously player-coach relationship. You, you get the, the sense they genuinely uh, have positive feelings toward one another.
2: Oh, no, absolutely. I mean, there was times where uh, I'd be on the, uh, coming back from the sideline after a defensive. Uh, out, we were out on defense, coming back to the sideline. And uh, you would see Lester with his hand over Donji's shoulder, you know, real close to him. And you knew he cared about him. You know, there's always – for me, it was Shafe Shafe was he had recruited me, and he would always pull me aside, like whether it be halftime just to, you know, give me some positive feedback or maybe it was after a game or during the week. Those those kind of coaches, you know when a a coach really cares about a guy when when he's talking to him a little extra, you know, a little bit extra through the week to to let him know that, hey, you can do this. or It may not even be about football. Um, And that's what – Lester and Dungey had it was a it was a situation where they would spend time they'd be sitting out you know when we had dinner back at Manley or whatever they would sit together and talk and the other quarterbacks would be somewhere else I'm like, oh someone's got a favorite son <laughs> you, know, you know and, and that's just, you could you could see that relationship really, just listening to that that little that little bite right there you you could feel that you could feel that love that he has for Dungey and of course you don't want to if you recruit a guy you you believe oh he's pretty good and he'll be pretty good for us so you bring him in and now to be on the opposite sideline with a team with probably lesser talent. It's like, dang, I don't want to play that guy now. So to, to see Dungy on the opposite side, I'm sure that's, that's something for Lester where he's proud to see him grow up but is also like, shoot, this guy can really hurt us on defense.
1: And of all the years to get him, you get him as a senior in his third year in this right. system and <laughs> right. maybe with the best talent that he has around him yes. the entire time he's been yeah, in Yeah, and,
0: and I think that we, we kind of got that impression from Tim Lester, right? He was like, hey, love the guy. I thought he could be a great player. Like I'm kind of worried to face him now. Like it's, it's not a matchup that you want. And I think that's kind of what he was getting at there. Like, you, you hope not to face guys you recruit, one, because you hope that you're in jobs for a while. Right. But like, also because you obviously think they're a good player, right? Like You obviously think they're worth being at that school, so you would hope that you're not going to face them down the road.
2: No, no, you don't want to go recruit a guy and then one lose your job and then come back and play him after he's been seasoned, right. you know, experienced and learns how to kick people in the chest. You know, you don't want to play quarterbacks like Literally, that. Literally, yeah, no, that's exactly <laughs> where I got it. From. I've never seen that before, and every time I see him, like that's incredible. But you don't, you don't want to play quarterbacks who have one. You saw all their potential, and then they've maximized it, and now you've got to play the end product. So for Lester, game plan against Dungey's got to be one of the hardest quarterbacks' to game plan against because he can break tackles, he'll go outside of the pocket, you never know what he's going to do on a given play. He lines up, I don't think he knows what he's going to do on a given play. You know, he's one of those cats where he may throw, he may take off. So game plan for that kind of quarterback is one of the most difficult things you can do in college football. So that those comments, by they makes sense to me. You don't want to play that kind of quarterback, and I think he's proud to see that he's grown up and where he's come, but he's also worried because now it's it's a guy that, shoot, I wouldn't want to play against him either. Phone
1: lines open the entire way today at 315 437 we have Julian Wiggum with us for the entire two-hour show today. We're brought to you in part by the Bill Rap Superstore. We're going to take another time out. We are back after this on ESPN Radio. This is Orange Nation with Stephen Fonte and Seth
2: Goldberg.
1: Stephen Fonte, Seth Goldberg, Julian Wiggum with you today up until 2 o'clock as we're coming to you live from Shaughnessy's Irish Pub at the Hotel Syracuse downtown. Phone lines remain open at 315-437-7644. And to the phone lines we go. DJ in Bridgeport up next on the show. Hey, DJ.
2: Hey, how are you guys doing today?
1: Good. How are you? Good. Um,
2: yeah, I just have a quick question. Do you think that if we do not have a winning season or even make a bowl game that uh, Coach is on basically his way out or... But I don't know what your opinion is. I mean, my opinion is I think he's one hell of a coach, and I think he deserves more of a chance. But yep. I'll let you guys get yep. into that. Yep, DJ, I'll take this one. I got you, Coach. Uh, no, he's not going to be on the hot seat if Syracuse is below 500. And the reason being for all the points that you just listed, he was one of the most valuable coaches coming out before Syracuse got him. And then you bring him to Syracuse. After he wins the Clemson game, everybody's worried about if he's going to leave. Now if he is not if he does not hit 500 th- this season st- he is still one of the best coaches in college football, one because we've seen what he can do with the program, taking Bowling Green and making them a 10-win team. You know, taking Eastern Illinois, and making them a 10-win team. Syracuse is a little bit harder, one because of the recruiting aspect. We're going against P5 conference uh, conference opponents versus a Bowling Green who's just recruiting against other MAC teams. You generally get the same uh, same talent there, and then it's just a matter of coaching. And then even at the FCS level, with Eastern Illinois or something like that, you're still getting this generally the same amount of talent that you would anywhere else, and then it's just a matter of coaching. So for Babers is a little more ele- a little more, a few more elements to it, rather than just taking, you know, the general talent that you get in the MAC or an FCS. You're competing at, from recruiting aspect against uh, Miami's, the Clemson's, the Florida States, and all those other ACC teams, and you're trying to find a way to bring talent to Syracuse, which, it, for whatever reason, is difficult whether it's the weather whether it's you know whatever it could be it's difficult to bring that kind of talent to Syracuse and for Babers you know the coaching is there these players love them I can tell you right now people didn't like Schaefer I like Schaefer because he was the guy who recruited me and we had a good relationship but he lost his locker room about halfway through his first season you know guys didn't respond to him people respected Marone they didn't, I hate saying they didn't respect Schaefer and what he would do we, we played our own coverages sometimes but people respect Babers inside. Of- <laughs> yes, Steve Gates. Okay. Okay. Yeah, no, I'm telling you guys. Like, this doesn't work. It was just out of pure. You're not telling us what they- this is terrible coaching. We knew it. Got you guys know it. But when you, we respected Marone, we respected, and people inside of Babers' locker room actually respect him and what he's saying. So he has a and He has that locker room culture too. You can see it shifting. You can see it changing. If you were to fire Coach Babers right now, whoever was the person doing the firing is doing the most detrimental thing possible. To the program, just because change is one of the worst things that can happen in college football, because you need those grassroots. You can't. It's not like the NFL where you're cutting, and constantly cutting guys and drafting new players. You've got to raise a locker room and develop a culture there, and that's why all the more, most successful programs, are, you know Penn State with Coach Franklin and Alabama or all those places like that, and Notre Dame, they always they, they're successful because they already have a locker room culture. They have a coach that's established, and if you keep that there, and we, if we can keep babies for as long as we can, that's when you'll start to see you start to hit. Six wins, seven wins like I think they will this year. And then eventually get the ten wins. We want to keep Coach Babers as long as possible. To fire him at any point would be one of the worst things that can happen in Syracuse. Let him build. Coach Bobby Bowden, you know, one of the most uh, prestigious coaches ever. He lost a lot in his first... Four seasons, I believe, and then he took Florida State off. Let coach have his time. If if he's on the hot seat, that's one of the most irresponsible. I gotta go have a talk with the AD because you can't do that. You can't put him on the hot seat, and he should he should not be worried about his job security this season or the next.
0: Yeah, I couldn't agree with you anymore. I, I, well I think said. I think yeah. Well said, and I, I think it's I think it's irresponsible to ask the questions. Like I, I really <laughs> do. Like I, I think that it's it's like not even something we should be talking about this year. Like I I, I don't think that you've. I don't think that you put somebody in a position where they're on the hot seat after two years, unless it's like what you said with with Scott Schaefer, right. where you're just like, hey, this isn't going to work. It's not going to work at any point. You know, with Dino Babers, there are signs that it's going to work. I, I think you've got to give him three, four, five, whatever it is. It, it's like I, I find it to be irresponsible for us to talk about it. That's why I'm like, uh, do do we want to do we want to do this? Like, it, it it feels like he he's not on the hot seat. Like he's he's going to be the coach here this year, next year, probably the year after that. And then you figure that out. If it's still not working after five years, then you figure it out. But now I I think he's safe.
1: All right, let's stop talking about it, then. I want to hear more about this. We played our own cover. Yes. <laughs> so what, what I envision is we've all seen the movie Rudy, right? Yeah. The, <laughs> the end of the game when they run the trick play and he comes to the side. Who told you to run that? So is that what's going on? Because. They, they obviously called a defense, and then if you guys didn't do it, I mean, like, are you audibling to yourselves, like, to each other? I mean, yeah. <laughs> and then, I mean, and the coach must see you're not running what he's telling you to run. So, how does that work then?
2: Right. So the way we did it, because we had some experience, you know, in the back end. If, if I find would, this fascinating, yeah. Yes. yeah. So it, I don't want to get to it; so you don't understand it. But basically, say coach said, "Hey, you've got uh, man, right? Yeah. And then we would see how they come." At And there would be checks inside of the coverage that you could make, you know, if it was a different call with a similar format, like if three receivers came out, sometimes you'd be able to say, hey, nah, two works here. And if a different coverage, you're allowed to check there. And this coverage, because it's man, you can't. We would say, well, nah, we're just going to go ahead and check it here. And we're going we're gonna to play cover two because that works better against this kind of versus man. It's just, it just wouldn't work. We could beat. So let's go ahead and check this up and play cover two. And then the reason I say we would play our own coverage is coaches, yeah, they see it. But if you go to the next day on, on the Sunday and coaches say, well, what are you guys doing here? Uh, if you guys are on the same page and get your lie together straight right then, you'll <laughs> be like, oh, oh well, we don't teach that. But if it works, you're good. <laughs> yeah, right. As long as it works, you're good. Something usually didn't work. But, <laughs> 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 but we as long as you had your lie straight and then you weren't the only guy that didn't know, right. it, it worked out. Because the coach can't overrule the players. or He'll get right. mad. But we, we knew we were the only guys that as that long as you doing. all knew what coverage yes. to play. as long right. as we were all on the same page and we played it out, we were good. But sometimes, yeah, no, if it uh, uh, we did this in 2014 too a few times with me and Durrell. I was if we saw something, he he'd give me the wheel signal. We'll cover to it. all right, cool. Yeah, I don't feel like playing man right now. So
1: Derek Coleman has told us that that sometimes they would ignore what Jim Behem wanted to play defensively (laughs) and they would just, you know, they play man or they press on a given
2: possession just because they wanted to. I find
1: that fascinating.
2: Yeah, because you wanna have fun too. You know, and and your players as as you, you know, develop I'm here now because I understand the game. You know, as players you you start you can't do as a freshman. That that'd be stupid, you know, right? You know, you're probably gonna make a wrong decision and but as players one sometimes your coach gives you that freedom to do it and then the other is we know the game pretty well too at this point we're, we're seniors now we're you know we've been in the system for two and three years we get it we understand how it works so there'll be times where coach will call something and if it if i'm at it with a safety i'm comfortable with richie or, or darrell or someone like that even roddy my senior year it, hey yeah no let's let's go ahead and change this up a little bit and play what We want one you having fun with it and then two it, it, we had a coach coach Reed also said you never get to get the college experience more than than you have it right now so make the most of it you know i'm like well, shoot coach let's do it so see
1: i find it fascinating because growing up as a point guard if i didn't run the play that was called i end up on the bench but it, it, there was nobody <laughs> on the same page with me like i had to make the first pat you know right, so on right. and so
2: forth but well the thing is and that's <laughs> that's why maybe guys at alabama couldn't and i shouldn't say this i, mean, I hope coach shafer is listening no come you're on probably, nobody nobody's listening, yeah, nobody's right, listening. Right. just okay, us just so us. okay so the thing is, we knew, especially my junior season and really my – like, there was nobody – That the first four on the field were the best players at corner and safety, and there was a huge talent gap after that. You know, it was like young guys who didn't know what they were doing or guys who – like Corey Winfrey just switched over, so he wasn't going to get – you know, just switch you in right then. So we had the freedom to, just by the fact that there was no one else to play, and then Coach, he's playing us because we know – you're worried about your job. So you know you're not going to end up on the bench, right? You know right. you're not going to the bench for any reason. So that's why it's like, you know what? Let's let's do what we got to do. Here. All right, we are desperately
1: up against the clock. We got to take a timeout. Hour number two kicks off right after this on ESPN Radio.